Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. But today on the show, we're doing a special episode. This is going to be a little different from any of our other previous episodes. We are interviewing someone who you probably have heard of, but maybe you didn't really know his name or the fact that this was his story. His name is Scott Evans. He's got a new book out called Pacoima Days. And he is the character that went over the wall to find that baseball in the sandlot. He was going to be here in Vegas at my friend Sean Lane's bar, No Regrets, to do a book signing. And she said, hey, you want to talk to Scott Evans? And I was like, yeah, that sounds awesome. Why not? Let's do this. That sounds like it would be a really fun time. And we did it. We had a great conversation about about movies, about what he's been up to ever since the days of the Sandlot, and uh, about where sports movies have gone. Because, quite frankly, I just had this conversation with my buddy Q. Um, there are not many sports movies anymore. And obviously, I'm not a big sports guy, but uh, it is a good question. Where have all the sports movies gone? So, uh, yeah, we get into a whole bunch of stuff in this conversation, and we do tie it into the whole piecing it together theme of talking about inspirations and all that. So we will absolutely get into some of that. And aside from that, I hope you enjoy this conversation, and I'm hoping to do a lot more special episodes like this where we just talk to either filmmakers or other interesting people about things related to the inspirations behind movies, but maybe in a different you know, kind of angle. I think this turned out really great, so let's jump into it. All right, cool. So we've got with us Scott Evans. Scott, how you doing, man? Doing really well. Great to see you. Yeah, thank uh, you. It's great to be in the air conditioning. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 106 degrees when I parked my car today. That's the number one reason to have nice mics when you're doing a podcast is just you can keep the air conditioning rolling and just stay nice and cool while doing this stuff. Sweet. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, th- this is going to be a, a fun conversation. This is definitely you know a little different from our usual format of looking at new movies and what inspired them. But you know uh, when our mutual friend. Sean suggested it. I was like, yeah, that sounds like it's going to be a really fun conversation. Sean is a champ. We've been friends for many, 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 many years. And yeah. she did uh, she did all the PR for Ace Ventura 3, mm. Ace Jr., yeah. for my brother. Uh, he directed that movie. And then she did a, a premiere for me in 2007 called Pass It On. It was just a, a motivational, inspirational movie, mm-hmm. like the unofficial uh, the sequel to The Secret, Okay, motivational movie. Um, and it went... It went off the charts. Yeah. And ever since, uh, Sean and I have been great friends. And so I was with her earlier today. So here we are. Nice. Right on. Right on. Well, you know, why don't we jump in first things first, have you tell some of the listeners who you are and and what it is that you do. All right. Start from the beginning. Yes. March 20, 1965, I was born. Oh, okay. Anyway, <laughs> that's a Goonies reference. Anyway, so no, uh, Scott Evans. No, I, I cut my teeth on inventing uh, many, many years ago. I had three products on the Biggest Loser television show, and I was in the Air Force before that, of course, high school before that. And then during those years, my brother uh, decided to take an event that happened in our childhood and write a movie called The Sandlot. Um, so uh, that's a real story. My, uh, so I, I, at eight years old, 46 years ago, I jumped over a fence 
uh, a block wall actually, uh, to get a baseball back because the game had to go on. Yeah. And I pickled the beast, literally. <laughs> and then got taken to the hospital after the beast got done with me and so on. And then I got married, um, had a couple of kids. I've got five grandkids. And then my brother said, you know what? I'm going to write a, another story about our childhood, mm. which came before the Sandlot, but something that is a pretty cool story called Radio Flyer. Sure. And that was about two brothers trying to escape uh, a, just a treacherous, horrible, alcoholic stepfather. A much darker story. Yes. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people ask, what happened to Bobby when he flew away in that wagon? Mm -hmm. Well, the truth is we really did build a flying wagon. It didn't fly very far. <laughs> Farther than the Wright brothers, though. Sure. Um, yeah. For a longer period of time. But uh, I'm the younger brother. I'm Bobby who flew away in the wagon. So one of the things is... Uh, that's interesting to people is to actually, and look, I'm a low key guy. I live in a hill above the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, California. Mm -hmm. But sometimes people want to know, wow, what happened to Bobby? Well, sure. I'm Bobby and I'm sitting, you know, three feet from you uh, doing this podcast and yeah. um, everything turned out pretty well. A lot of hassles and struggles along the way, but here I am and um, I live on royalties and uh, book sales and, I've had products on the Biggest Loser TV show. Yeah. And fitness products. So yeah, so it's uh, one of those fast and loose kind of lives, um, but that's what I do. Certainly an uh, interesting life. And I mean, you know, honestly, uh, leading up to our conversation, I, I didn't get a chance to rewatch Radio Flyer. It's been a while, but I did rewatch The Sandlot, and it was my first time watching it in a while, but oh my God, does it just all come back. It's like that movie is just so kind of ingrained, you know, and that story being your story is it's, that must be uh, wild. It is wild. And for, let's see, 20, last year was the 25th anniversary of the Sandlot. Mm -hmm. And in my brother's stead, because he was busy with the TV show for the Sandlot for Disney plus, and then the prequel, a movie of the Sandlot for Fox Disney owns Fox, all that. But mm -hmm. anyway, uh, I went in his stead and I gave a talk and nobody knew that it was a real story. Well, I mean, the friends and family knew. Sure. But nobody yeah. really knew that it was an actual story. Though, as in fantasy, baseball, football, basketball, everybody felt like they were one of the players in that movie. Mm. And so people started asking, is this real? Yeah. And now I can go out and say, yes, it is real. So the 25th anniversary on the actual Sandlot in Salt Lake City, uh, Utah, in the Glendale area of Salt Lake City, mm. Utah, there was a 25th anniversary and I went and I went on stage and uh, I brought some buddies in and the whole, the whole cast was there, mm. which is very cool. 25, 30,000 people showed up to watch the, you know, the movie on the big screen. That's awesome. It was a big, big event. And I had my buddy, Nathan Osmond, who I've written songs with. I see your platinum records on the wall here. <laughs> uh, just, I'm, I'm, I'm exposing I'm a, you. I'm a music guy as well. So. <laughs> yeah. So Nathan and I have written a few songs together and that's very cool. I brought him in cause he lives in Utah and, uh, he sang the you know the national anthem. It was very very cool, and uh, it's not a humbling thing, but it's awkward to experience people's experiences. Mm -hmm. They don't want to come up to you and talk to you. Yeah. Well, but here I am. I mean, just come and talk to me. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. So it's it's been an it's been an interesting uh, since I guess June 16 last year. It's been a really interesting interesting uh, point of exposure for me. Sure. Well, you know, I guess that my first question was going to be, uh, you know, going into the book, Pequima Days, um, it, was that the impetus then, the, the, this 25th anniversary coming up, and then uh, realizing that people don't know the story? It wasn't the impetus. It definitely, definitely put a spark under my ass. Uh -huh. Well, we could cuss, right? Sure. Shit. Good. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so... Because I've been writing this for probably, well, I mean, we've all been writing our own stories for years, right? Sure. But this book in particular has been three or four years. And then I gave it to the structural editor and she did a bang up job. People are going nuts about this book. Now, it's not because it's my book. I mm -hmm. give her all the credit <laughs> because I can tell a story. I can write a story. I, 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 I lecture in prisons. I lecture, I, I give, you know, uh, coaching to corporate, uh, the corporate world. but. It's different to write something that people can read 
and really engage with. Sure. So in the last eight months, it's been eight months, and that's what it, I guess the, the short answer is, yeah, it took eight months to get this thing in book form, the one I handed you before we sat down. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. And it just came out last month. Is that correct? Uh, May. Whatever, okay, what May. Say, July, May, April, May. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right month, on. Month, yeah. And so now you're you're out there. Does this take over then, uh, promoting the book? Are you just out there on a constant stream of uh, promotion? I'm on the road all the time. Yeah. I have a house, like I said, in Pasadena, California, above the Rose Bowl. I've got two boys and five grandkids in Boise, Idaho. Mm. I've got a sister in Manitou Springs, right near Colorado Springs, uh, Colorado. I've got an apartment in Aspen, Colorado. And my brother lived, my brother and my mom live on the East Coast um, of Florida, on mm. an undisclosed island. Sure. And um, <laughs> so I'm always on the road. I prefer to drive. So now here we are in Las Vegas. Yeah. I drove here, and then my next stop is Aspen, and that's another book signing. So for the most part, I either stay home, or I, uh, yeah, I, I guess that's it. Or I'm promoting something. Yeah, yeah. Or I'm out speaking in again prisons, or you know, uh, giving a corporate talks. So inventing has been one of the big things you've. That's been a big part of your life since uh, the time of the Sandlot and all that. Um, how did that come about exactly? Well, I had a great, when I went to the Air Force out of high school, I had a great mechanical aptitude because they test you for your aptitude mm. and where to place you. So when I got out of the Air Force, I hooked up with, uh, awkwardly, uh, a high school sweetheart. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a sweetheart, but we met again. <laughs> and, and then I started building stuff and I became an air conditioning contractor. Mm. I just did the, everybody's story. Yeah. It, that, that's the cool thing about the book is it's everybody's story. So then uh, I got divorced. My kids moved away to Idaho. And then I started building stuff. I had a few chiropractor buddies that said, hey, do you have a, can you build something that does this? Mm-hmm. And I said, okay. So I built something that did that. And then I started going to infomercial conferences in Las Vegas. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then I built what amounts to this thing called a body bow. This was my big coming out product so to speak. Um, it was called a body bow and it was essentially a portable handheld Bowflex. Mm-hmm. And it sold a million units in like nine or 10 months. That's and it awesome. put me on the map. Yeah. And then I, I built and launched probably five or six other products. And yeah. And I just, something I like that I could build stuff. So I'm curious, are there other people from the world of film who became inventors? I don't know. Yeah, I, that's, that's interesting. interesting. I don't know. I know that uh, there are people in the world of film and literature mm-hmm. that I know personally, that are friends or friends of friends, yeah. and they ask me, hey, can you do this? Can you do that? So I'm like, yeah, I suppose I can do anything. Sure. Know? But uh, So yeah, so they, they're always, I, I guess that it's that creative, not gene, but that creative drive. Yeah, yeah. So from that perspective. Yeah, uh, creativity is, exists in so many different areas. And, you know, I guess there's... A, a million different ways to really approach it. Yeah, well, so like I mentioned, your uh, platinum record's on the wall here to my right, to your left. I, I should tell the listeners, it's not technically my platinum record. I worked the album as a uh, promoter, but I, platinum, I am though. a songwriter, though, <laughs> and I've had a little bit of success on the Sorry, way. Sorry, just <laughs> drawing you in here. <laughs> no, I mean, I. Uh, what's funny is uh, I was in uh, Boise, Idaho, doing a, a conference for one of my uh, pro- uh, fitness products, um, at bodybuilding.com, mm-hmm. which is up in Meridian, Idaho. And it was a product that I was taking into the Biggest Loser uh, television show, mm-hmm. which was out in Malibu, California. Anyway, in that area, Las Virginis Ranch. Anyway. In that. Sure. So, um, and we were coming down and I said, you know what? I have a Facebook friend named Nathan Osmond. Mm-hmm. And part of the Sandlot, the carnival scene, Mm-hmm. was filmed in American Fork, Utah. Okay. And that's right up the 15, like everything is in Utah. Yeah, yeah. And I, I messaged him. He called me back, and we sat and we cut three songs in the Osmonds recording studio. Nice, nice. One of them we had, uh, we had written previous, but the other two we sat and... Um, yeah, just a cheap plug. I don't get anything from it. Uh, <laughs> but everybody else will when they listen to it. Little Big Man, Nathan Osmond. It's just a really good song. And 
we just hit it off and we've been friends for gosh, I don't know, eight or 10 years. And yeah, he goes to my events. I go to his events and we just have a great time at it. So I, I think the creativity bug, if one chooses to say, you know what? I'm going to write a book. I'm going to write a song. I'm going to learn how to play the guitar. Sure. I, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, I would just say, do it. There's your motivational minute. <laughs> I, I, you know, I couldn't agree more with that statement because people ask me all the time. I, I've been a musician for many years and I've been doing this podcasting for a couple of years now. And I'm just like, just do things, you know, <laughs> just keep doing things, you know? Yeah. I think that's important. And my, yeah. my two boys do that. It's like, okay, what do I, what do I, what am I, I going to do, dad? And I said, well, I just do something. Exactly. Just do something. Yeah. Well, I want to, I want to talk about, uh, the Sandlot a little more. Um, but first I wanted to ask you, uh, in, in navigating your way, you know, obviously a winding career and going through inventing and public speaking and everything, uh, was doing more things in the world of film, uh, a thing that was uh, a major interest for you or that's more your brother was more interested in that? So early on, uh, let's see, that's a good question. So early on after, see my brother, when he got out of college, he came to live with me, my wife and my, my pregnant wife and my first son. Mm -hmm. And then my second son, he said, can I come to stay with you guys for like three weeks? Mm -hmm. Oh, and by the way, I have a German Shepherd. And I said, okay. <laughs> well, that's then, a plus in my book. So, I, no, yeah. <laughs> I, no, I'm fine with that. doesn't matter. So uh, three years later, he sells Radio Flyer. Mm -hmm. And I'm the younger brother by two and a half years. I'm not a jealous sort or anything like that. But when you're younger, it's like, oh, maybe I can do that. Mm -hmm. So I endeavored to write uh, four screenplays, mm -hmm. uh, all fiction. Never sold one of them because I did it for a vanity, uh, just a vanity project. Sure. I didn't do it to sell them. Interestingly, things you do 10 years ago are things you can bring to the fore and say, oh, like songs. Mm. Oh, wow. I recorded this 10 years ago and now it's interesting to somebody. Same thing with the earlier screenplays I wrote. And I did those because, well, if he could do it, I can do it. Sure. Yeah. And that's, that's frankly how, how that went. And I've been, I mean, I've been writing for, I write textbooks for prison programs and yeah, four of them. I don't keep doing it, but I did four of them and it works out. And I just like putting my hands on a keyboard. Sure. I just like doing that. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, so I, I, I did that. I, um, and two of those are being made in, uh, are being, uh, worked from a screenplay into uh, novels. Okay. Which is very, very cool. Sweet. Yeah, and um, you know, I, I I guess the message is again, just sit down and write something. Just keep making things. Just keep making them. Um, so yeah, I do want to talk about uh, the Sandlot a little bit. Like I said, I I, I hadn't watched uh, Radio Flyer very recently, but the Sandlot I did just recently watch. So I wanted to kind of focus more on that one. Uh, you know, with the regular focus of our show, looking at movies that inspired movies or movies that were inspired by movies. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, The Sandlot, first of all, um, about any movies previously that maybe were in you guys' minds while you were working on this. Anything that was like, oh, that's cool how they did that, you know? So some of the early ones, like uh, uh, Stand By Me. Sure, yeah, that's one that like, came to my just, mind. Yeah, just perfect. Just perfectly done. Yeah. Um, I think the bigger... I, I think outside of all the stories being true in the Sandlot, I think the bigger thing outside of movies mm -hmm. were TV shows. The Wonder Years, maybe? Wonder, yeah, maybe, but even earlier than uh, that. Okay. I think I'm a little older than you. Sure. Okay. Um, Flipper. Oh, okay. Right? Bud and Sandy. <laughs> so those sorts of things. And then the Twilight Zone and the very last episode of that. Oh, yeah, uh, I guess kind of like a... Family-friendly Twilight Zone episode or something. Yeah, kind of. You know, <laughs> Huck and Finn, yeah. all that stuff. But as far as movies go, I think that, um, I think the drive was twofold. One, whatever the impressions were from the Stand By Me's, uh, not the Goonies, but the Goonies was cool. Sure. Um, I, I think the big drive was to, just to connect with whatever movie was nostalgia and Americana. Mm, yeah, yeah. Because nostalgia definitionally is to be brought back to yeah, something. Absolutely. And that just happened. It, it just struck a nerve. Oh, yeah. Just struck a nerve. 
And of course, we saw Sinbad and the Seven Whatevers. Mm-hmm. We saw all those like, crazy, you know, claymation or whatever those oh, uh, movies stuff. were. Yeah, and uh, we would go and go and go, and we, you know, uh, uh, you know, a bunch of the early Disney movies, the Two Bears, um, the two brothers that turned into bears, mm. and my brother and I were those two brothers, and yeah. you know, <laughs> as we were sitting in the seats, you know, right. So yeah. I think those impressions were, yeah, I think those had a lot to do with how this movie turned out because it strikes such a chord. When people say, oh, wow, um, that may not have been my life, but they start looking back and going through their photo albums. Sure, sure. So it's that, again, Americana, that nostalgia that, uh, that creates this need, not just a desire, but a need for people to say, ah, oh, I want to go back and look at what happened on that road trip in 1975 back east. Sure, sure. And then they get all goosebumpy and emotional when they start reconnecting with their family. They're like I did with my fifth grade teacher, mm. Barry Watnick. I looked him up on Google, and there, there he was. Go. And we have lunch every month. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. So I think it was a uh, 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 many fold, but the 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 I think it was the uh, the you know kind of sneaking into theaters and uh, the TV shows. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think nostalgia is just such a major theme of this movie. It's like it's it's. You know, and it. I, I'm going to talk about sports movies a little later as well. But um, I think almost as much as it's known for being a, you know, just like such a huge baseball movie, it's also just such a huge nostalgia movie. Almost, I would say, equally. You know. Well, it is, and again, because people can step into that space yeah. and time, that place and time. Yeah. It's 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 not amorphous, but it's everybody. So it's funny. So people say, well. What are you gonna? What do you expect people to get out of my book, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I I don't know, but what I do know is everybody lived in a conf- back in the seventies mm-hmm. because this is the book is set against, and I can't tell you what network, but the streaming platform that's going to uh, turn this book into a, a series, yeah, uh, to uh, season, season series. Um, it, you know. It, it's set against the 1970s in the San Fernando Valley. Mm-hmm. But the thing to keep in mind, at that time in the 70s, everybody had a white front department store in their neighborhood. Everybody had a drive through dairy, whether it was Altadena or whatever. Right. Everybody had the, the carnival in the department store parking lot. Yeah. Everybody had these things. Everybody's mom and dad were floating checks at the local grocery store because it took a week for the check to clear. <laughs> right. Well, at least my family did. <laughs> Everybody had a municipal, municipal airport and they were watching planes take off every you know, minute mm-hmm. and land every two minutes. And that's one of the reasons why... Oh, and by the way, everybody was able to light off fireworks in their front yard. Sure. And yeah, at the yeah. park, like in the sandlot. Everybody had that back in the 70s. Now we don't have those things. Mm-hmm. Unless you're out in the rural areas, right? Nebraska, sure. Kansas, Iowa, Illinois, whatever, wherever. Yeah. So I think that's a big part of what, what connects with people. And the cool thing is this. When I go talk to schools, middle schools, high schools, the feedback I get takes about a week or two because all the kids go home to their parents, mm-hmm. who aren't baby boomers, but a little younger than me and you, but their parents validate everything about these stories. <laughs> right. And right. the kids go, oh my gosh, that really happened? <laughs> so yeah, I guess that's the medium range answer to your question. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you were just talking about, uh, you know, things that there aren't anymore necessarily for like the general, you know, general population. This is a, a kind of a tangent a little bit, but... um. I was just having a conversation with a friend the other day about how there's not a lot of sports movies anymore. And I'm myself, I'm not a big sports guy, uh, but you know, of course I was always the odd man out when it comes to everybody's a sports guy for the most part. Do you notice that, that there's not a lot of sports movies nowadays? Like it doesn't seem to be the thing anymore. There are not. Uh, although I hear Space Jam 2 is coming out. Oh, that, that But is works. that a sports movie? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not like sure. Basketball? I don't know, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, yeah. So I, I don't know if it's something that just can't be done anymore because Feel the Dreams, hmm. uh, you know, the, the final season my brother directed, which was just a great uh, movie. Uh, and then, of course, The Sandlot. I just don't know if there's yet 
a new story to tell. Mm, that I just be. don't know. Yeah, yeah, because trying to find something new that isn't just a retread. Um, you know, we've seen some amazing stories about, you know, the team, you know, winning over the big, you know, big, bad, you know, awesome team that they can't win against. And they all have to train and everything. I mean, there's so many uh, of those classic sports stories that have been done so many times. So, I mean, that is definitely part of it. And I think there's also just, uh, you know... It, it's just uh, a little bit of a different time, I guess. Well, it is. And then uh, my gal, she uh, she's not into sports at all, mm-hmm. which is fine. But I had to like twist her arm to watch Moneyball. Oh, yeah, which yeah. Which was not a sports movie. Right, right. But what a great movie. Oh, yeah, really good. Uh, but not a sports movie. Mm-hmm. But kind of is. Yeah. But kind of isn't, right? So, it, but, but it's, it, so I think there's going to be more of that kind of approach. Mm-hmm. Especially with some of the, you know, whatever politics or whatever the social, yeah. you know, mores are as regards how you communicate about and with people when it comes to sports. Yeah. I think there's going to be, especially for, you know, you can't call a basketball team owner an owner anymore. <laughs> there's going to be some of the, there's going to be other movies that are tangentially sports. Sure. Uh, or peripherally. But it, but I don't know. I, that's a good question. I don't know. Well, you know, I think another, another aspect of it is there's like a kind of a fear of being sincere nowadays. Everything's got that like ironic detachment and whatnot, which to, to, to really, uh, to have that, you know, the memory of the team being together and everything and like that being so important and all that stuff. I, I think that's part of it too, is like people are just kind of scared to show sincerity you know i fully agree and i'm a pretty open authentic sincere guy mm-hmm. yeah, i got my family life yeah, yeah. that's like me and mine other than that i find it very freeing to walk into a state or federal prison and talk to you know bank fraud guys to Jordan Belfort, who I <laughs> was in one of my classes, smarter than me, <laughs> but he needed time out of the yard, off the yard, you know? Sure. Uh, but I just find it freeing. Some people don't because they don't want to expose themselves. Right. And I, I, I think that's part of it. You know, I'm, I got a psychology degree, but I, I, I'm not qualified to, you know, to, you know, uh, um, diagnose anybody sitting here. Mm. But I think it's very, for me, it's very freeing. I think freeing is a good word for it. Yeah, I think it's, and I think people should do that. And again, that's why I wrote this book. And uh, I think that's a big reason why, though my brother would be hard pressed to admit it. Um, <laughs> and I'm not speaking out of school because he and I spoke three times today. We speak twice a day, <laughs> sometimes three times a day. I think that was one of the, it was, I think it was more cathartic for him than anything. Mm. And I think that that's part of the reason some people write some of the things they write. And I think that's, I think there's some of the reasons why movies have legs and become evergreens Mm -hmm. like the Sandlot. Sure. Uh, It's just cathartic for people to sit and watch. Yeah. Yeah. Even the good times bring tears to your eyes. Sure. Absolutely. Well, back to the Sandlot. Um, We were talking a little bit about movies that inspired. Um, I want to talk about a little bit, some movies that have come since that you kind of felt some of that Sandlot style influence on, you know? Um, the first thing I, I thought of is uh, not just one movie, but it's kind of like the whole Judd Apatow aesthetic of, of just, you know, a group of guys who all, you know, there's, there's the, the funny one, there's the geeky one, there's the, you know, the tough one, there's the one that's good with girls or whatever, you know, um, and just so much comedy out of their friendship. And they're like, really, it, it, it creates like a, uh, an atmosphere of just, you know, realistic friendship. And I, I think that those movies had to look back at things like The Sandlot. Right, and those movies, just think about this, right? You can't write that unless you lived that. Right, right. So those bonds that you made early on and then revisit years later, yeah, you, you can't, well, I guess you can make it up, but <laughs> let me just say it this way, you can't make that up. Right, right. You can't make that shit up. Absolutely. So those bonds, now, by the way, it may be a factionalized version. Mm-hmm. You know, you're taking like, 
nonfiction people and events sure. and then making a fiction work out of it. Yeah. It may be factionalized, but you, you can't make up the incidents. You just, I mean, you, again, you can, but it, they don't have the same impact. Right. So Absolutely. yeah. So that group of guys, so my brother's famous for saying in some of his interviews, um, when I went over the fence and I came back over the fence after the dog beat me or eat, uh, you know, ate my leg, or, well, <laughs> took a big chunk out of my leg. I still am sure. walking on two feet. Um, <laughs> and, um, and I got the ball and I came back and, you know, he, uh, here's a little trivia. Mm-hmm. He wasn't even there when that happened. Oh yeah. But all of the kids were bullies and he need, needed to make it good in his head, I guess, that he was going to make them all superstars. Sure. And he claims to have told them, and I know he didn't, and he knows he didn't. And I'm, this is, you got the first, this is the first time I've said this on a show. Mm. Um, you know, he, he, he says, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to make you all famous, even though you're a bunch of bullies. Now they were all bullies. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. They would beat us up and they would trip our bikes up and everything. And they taunted me to go into the backyard mm-hmm. to get the ball knowing there was a dog there. And then when I got to the top of the wall, I knew there was a dog there. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Uh, and then when I landed, the dog was chained up and then of course broke its chain <laughs> and caught me. But I guess the, the story's always in the mind of the storyteller. Sure, sure. Right? So then on, on the radio flyer, um, when Tom Hanks at, at the end of the, of the movie when the kids are sitting at the airport and you know, the municipal airport, mm-hmm. he says, now do you know what I mean by histories in the, the mind of the, uh, the storyteller right. or whatever the word was. Words right. were. So that's really what it is. So, you know, there, we can conflate all kinds of things in our childhood, but with Sandlot in particular, um, there we just found a way to make everything okay with yeah. a very traumatic experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, so traumatic experience, um, did, did it ever affect your love of dogs? Cause I'm a big dog guy. So no, uh, matter of fact, uh, I'm not a cat person. <laughs> I'm allergic to cats. Okay. There, there's two walking around here. Hopefully That's they're fine. not. I took, I, I took Claritin <laughs> okay, <good>. earlier today. <laughs> um, but no, uh, no, I, I've been always been good with dogs. You know, I mean, there may have been a couple of times over the years, if I heard a rustle in the bushes, I'd cross yeah. the street. Sure. But no, for the most part, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Dogs rule. Yes. And, and I, I love how they did the dog. Going back and watching that movie, I love how they did it with a mixture of, you know, stop motion or, cre- you know, puppetry or whatever. And puppet. real dog. Yeah. That was awesome. Um, <laughs> so uh, back to the book. Um, you said that there there is some uh, movement on uh, bringing some of this to screen? Yes. Yeah. June 16, last year. Mm-hmm. So let's date this uh, podcast. Uh, 2018? <laughs> yeah, sure. So 25th anniversary. Uh, we were at Dodger Stadium uh, for, and we had a, well, no, we, I mean, I was a guest of uh, Fox. Uh, sports and MLB, mm-hmm. and I, I walked in to the suite with a couple of buddies of mine. My Air Force, my Air Force roommate, mm-hmm. uh, Larry Goldfinger, Las Vegas native. Nice. I'm gonna have sushi with him later today, <laughs> and his wife. So they came in, stayed at the house, and we went to Dodger Stadium because uh, I didn't have any else to take. Anyone else to take? My gal's not a sports fan. Mm-hmm. So um, we walk into the suite up on you know the press row or whatever all that is. And um, Dodger Dogs for days, beer and wine and very expensive alcohol though. Yeah. Beer and wine was free. A bottle of vodka was a hundred bucks. I'm sure. So we said, ah, fuck that noise. Mm -hmm. So we had the beers. Anyway, um, and a lady walked up to me. Now, see, I had never met and nobody knew before I got to Dodger Stadium that this was a real story, except for a few very close people. Yeah friends and family and maybe one or two people on the production years ago. Nobody knew. Nobody knew this was a real story, let alone knew that I was the guy that went over the fence that inspired this movie, The Sandlot. Sure. So this lady walks up to me, very sweet lady. I've become very good friends with, and she has an amazing husband. 
Her name is Kathleen and she produced The Sandlot. Mm-hmm. I'd never seen her before. She had never <laughs> seen me. Yeah, yeah. And my hair is short now, but it was like yours back then. Okay. And uh, she said, you must be Scott. I said, uh, well, yes, I am. Um, she says, I want to thank you for inspiring a movie I could produce. I said, okay. So, okay. I was like, not speechless, because I'm seldom, clearly not speechless. Sure. <laughs> um, I said, well, my mom taught me to be polite, so I want to thank you for producing a movie I, I never knew I would have ever, ever inspired. Right. And she says, hold on a second. And she calls to her husband. I won't give his name, easy to find out, but he produced all the Jason Bourne movies and, uh, I don't know, four of the six or whatever Jurassic Park movies. Mm-hmm. And he comes up and he says, oh, very nice to meet you. Um, what kind of dog was it? <laughs> well, it was a the, the name where it really was Hercules, but it was a German uh, shepherd Doberman pincer mix. Mm-hmm. Where did it bite you? Well, right here, because I had shorts on, so I showed I got this big silver dollar size scar still. And when I tan, because I always tan, it shows up even better. You know, no, it's like yeah. a little keepsake. Can't get rid of it. <laughs> anyway, so it was... Um, um, so he was like, oh, and then he went back to his nachos and beer. And then, uh, Kathleen and I talked and I said, Hey, listen, you know, I've got this, uh, book and it's being edited and I want to walk this into clearly everybody wants to go to Netflix or Amazon or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I said, I want to walk this in to X company. And she says, well, send me a galley, you know? So I emailed her the first half of the book. And then I uh, went out to her house in a very nice place on the west coast of California, in a very nice place. Uh, they fed me, uh, um, I don't eat bread, but that day I did, uh, <laughs> toasted bread with uh, avocado and cherry tomatoes and uh, tuna sashimi from the tuna that he caught that morning with his buddies in Ventura. Sounds pretty Ventura. good. Yeah, so it was like I was just out there hanging out, and that's what they do. So I figured I'll just do what they do. So then I, um, we, she and I stayed in touch, and then uh, I don't know. A month later, we went out back out to Malibu, uh, uh, Malibu area, and we had lunch at a restaurant. And I brought my gal with me because she's my editor, my gal. And um, lo and behold, you're holding the book. I just gave it to you, and. Uh, and now that's uh, she's the uh, she's gonna she's gonna be the producer on this uh, TV show, and my brother's gonna be one of the writers. So he and I are gonna write it, mm-hmm. and he's gonna be the director. I'll direct one or two just to get my feet wet. I've never directed anything. Nice, uh, but yeah, we're, so we're gonna write it together. That's exciting. Oh yeah, it's very very cool. So yeah, and I, I again, it's just that you know determination, perseverance. You hear mm-hmm. all of these motivational speakers. I guess the real point is just just to do something. Oh. Everything is people. I wouldn't mm. be sitting with you right now yeah. if Sean and I weren't the best of friends. Sure, sure. I mean the best of friends. Yeah. So you just got to meet people. Absolutely. Without an agenda. Yeah. That's, I, I think that is absolutely sound advice. And in this industry or any industry, really, I mean, it's, it's really important to just be personable and just be out there, you know, constantly. Yeah, and yeah. that's what I do. And, you know, my, my gal says, uh, the one thing I hate about you, Scott, is what I hated about my dad. You walk into a room and you start talking story and everybody gathers around. Right. <laughs> well, I, I, that's what I do. <laughs> right, that's what you do. Well, uh, speaking of stories, I have one more question for you about the book, and then we'll, uh, we'll wrap this thing up. Uh, is there, uh, you know, one of, or one of many stories in the book that, to you with this, you know, becoming, uh, you know, getting adapted to the screen, is there a story in there that just feels cinematic to you? Something that you just can't wait to see on screen? Yes. Short answer, yes. Okay. Here's your medium answer. Okay, medium is good. Okay, well, by the way, on page 129 of that book is <laughs> yeah. where I, uh, I re- because it's pretty much chronological from 1965 to 1975, and the second book goes from 75 or 6 to present time. Mm-hmm. And on page 129, 129 is the origin story of the Sandlot, how it actually, actually happened. Mm-hmm. Now, having said that, I did play baseball, a little league. Um, yeah, my brother and I did. And I was picked out of a hat of names in our little league. 
and we were able to play a team called um, the Hollywood. Uh, they were well, not the, the bad word is uh, Hollywood Shorties is the name of their uh, team. A bunch mm-hmm. of uh, back then they were midgets. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know little people. Right. Okay. So the Hollywood Shorties they used to play uh, pro teams and college teams in basketball. They would show up. It's all promotional stuff. And a lot of these guys sure. went on to be in the uh, Under the Rainbow. Uh, which was a movie back in the early 80s. Mm. A bunch of uh, little people getting into the whole movies. It was oh, a, okay. It was, it's actually a pretty cool, pretty cool watch. Interesting. Yeah, and they would go around and promote themselves, and they did a promotional tour for little leagues around the country, or at least in California, but I think around the country. And they were the Hollywood shorties, and they came to play our Little League. And I was one of the nine or 10 or 12 kids that were names were pulled out of a hat, literally out of a hat. And <laughs> I'll give you the punchline in a second. Anyway, so I was, I was pitching and I was winding up to throw a pitch to this guy that was shorter than me because they were little people. Sure. And out of the dugout from their team, somebody runs to first base. And I look over and I go, because it caught my eye. I'm like, yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> so I wind up again to throw a pitch and he runs not by way of second base, but directly in a straight line from first to third base. I'm okay. Like, you can't do that. So I started walking <laughs> towards him and then out of the dugout comes their manager, another short guy with those big like yellow uh, 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 clown um, uh, sunglasses on. Okay. You get to the fair, right? Yeah. And he starts chest bumping me. I'm like, what? What? Uh, Okay. So that went on for a little while and that was fun. That was funny. And then, um, uh, next inning or next couple of innings, I was up to bat mm-hmm. and I listened very well to coaching. I threw my hips forward. I swung the bat and I hit this ball that was pitched to right field, right center field. Mm. And it hit the wall and it, and these, this was all, we didn't know it was a goof because we didn't know what that meant back then. Sure. We thought it was a real game. Yeah, yeah. And these guys on these, and I say it in the book, on these little like baguette sized legs <laughs> were running a, a, around the back, uh, around the ball in, in an outfield trying to get the ball and then throw it to get me out. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm ready to round third. I'm going to get an inside the park home run. Right. <laughs> and uh, this was one of their signature moves. The whole team that was in that area, they get into like a three-point stance and they block you like a uh, uh, like, you know a defensive or offensive line in football, and you can't get by them. <laughs> and I didn't know that was what was going on, so I backed up and I said, "Okay, I'll take uh, triple." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I walked home. Now this is just something, uh, just for listeners, and just as for you know, it, 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 this how meaningful some of these stories and some of our lives stories are. In the book, uh, I write, I say, you know, uh, I walked home that day because my parents weren't there. Mm. Oh, how can that be? Well, back in the 70s, people were working two or three jobs. Sure. Uh, And then my mom read the book, and she and I are very, very close. And she says, no, I I was there. I just didn't take any pictures. And I said, oh, okay. (laughs) So I write, I says, at the end of the chapter, I write, I says, well... My, and all this full disclosure, all transparency, my mom says she was there. But that game and walking home that day in my uniform and my clumsy cleats and my, my glove, oversized glove, yeah, it was like, um, it felt like any other game because mm. nobody was there to support me. Mm. But I'm here to say, in full disclosure, my mom says she was there. I believe her. Because something like that, she would not have missed. Yeah, yeah. And I wish there were more fun times like that for people. And maybe there are. And I would say, take a lot of pictures and video. Oh, yeah. We all have phones in our pockets. Absolutely. It's easier than ever to make sure you're getting pictures of those things. Yeah. And then, yeah. of course, I know it's, I've, I won't go into it, but our uh, back east, our, our road trip back east without the crazy alcoholic stepfather was an amazing, amazing trip. So, yeah, it was... Uh, but but I think the Hollywood Shorties is the most fun chapter in that. Yeah. 
Well, wait a second. Then we had 14 St. Bernard puppies. <laughs> I guess the point is, they're a lot of fun <laughs> stories. That, to me, right there is a perfect like sell right there. Like, wait a minute, there's 14 St. Bernard puppies, and oh, yeah. just leave them wanting to know more about that. Well, it just <laughs> happened. So, so I, I, my go-to is the Hollywood shorties, but uh-huh. then I go, wait a second. That's a good one, yeah, too. Yeah. <laughs> and on the back of that book, I think are, uh, is a picture of the St. Bernards and some of the puppies. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah, yeah. It was, it's just all fun. Right on. Well, uh, so you're out there doing these book signings now. You got one here in Vegas coming up this yes. weekend? Yes, No Regrets Bar. A mutual friend of ours, Sean Lane, yep. unbelievably wonderful, beautiful person. Uh, she uh, has the No Regrets Bar. And we're doing on Saturday... What's funny is at one o'clock we do uh, a talk. My brother's going to Skype in uh, from Florida. We're going to do a talk for about an hour and a half for the film students that are doing summer school at UNLV. Mm-hmm. That's going to be cool. And then uh, then we'll have a break, a little bit, a bit, a little bit of press. And then at four thirty, the book signing happens, and there's going to be a lot of very cool people there. I can't disclose any names because I'm not sure if they've all confirmed, but. Um, it's going to be fun and, uh, going to give another, t- it's a separate talk about the book and about storytelling and stuff. And then, yeah, we sign, uh, till about six thirty seven o'clock and, uh, you know, it's a, it's a private dining room, uh, adjacent to the bar and there's plenty of food and, and uh, bar stuff, read alcohol. Sounds awesome. Um, and it's a great place, of course. And uh, I'm going to try to stop by, I have other podcast things to do, but I'm hoping to be able to at least stop by for a little bit. So, Well, we'll be there. Right on. Well, Scott, this was a lot of fun talking to you. Um, uh, any, any last words for our uh, listeners here about the book or anything? Well, I would just say uh, PacoimaDays.com. PacoimaDays.com is the website. And, or just go to amazon.com and you can buy the book if you can't make it to the book signing. And, or uh, if you, if you buy it on my website, then you say, I, you know, can you sign one? Then I'll sign it and send it out. And it's, yeah, it's 393 pages of just really yummy, yummy storytelling and good stuff. So, pacoimedays.com. Uh, we're going to be at No Regrets Bar on Saturday. And, uh, yeah, I guess that, or Amazon.com, Bookwoman Days uh, in the book section. So that's that's your plug. Awesome. My Sounds plug. Sounds great. Yes, your <laughs> plug. <laughs> well, right on. Thank you so much for doing this. This was a lot of fun, man. God, great to see you, and what a cool place you have here. This is Jay. Aaron. And Richard. And we're the VCR Kids. We rewatch movies from our childhood. They're mostly from the 80s and 90s. And we decide whether or not it holds up. Look up the VCR Kids on your favorite podcatcher and check out some of our past episodes. We've watched Hook, All Dogs Go to Heaven, The Mighty Ducks, and more. And check out our special episodes where we watch Harry Potter with our friend who has never seen them. Search for the VCR Kids today. We'll talk at you soon. All right, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Scott Evans about his book, Pacoima Days, which is available now at his website. You can find a link in the show notes. And, of course, talking about The Sandlot and Radio Flyer. So, uh, you know, speaking of no regrets, Sean Lane's Bar, where he did the book signing, um, I've got to give a little regret here for not saying you're killing me, Smalls, to him while he was here at my studio. How could I let that slip by? When am I going to have that opportunity again? Maybe when the series comes out, we'll get him back or something. Anyway, uh, if this is your first time listening to Piecing It Together, we would love to hear what you think of the show. Obviously, this is a little bit of a different format from our usual show, but uh, we hope you enjoyed it. And you can rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts. You can, of course, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, TuneIn, any of the major podcast apps. We are there, and we would love to have you as a listener. Um, there's been so many people checking out the show recently, and we really appreciate all the support. There have been all kinds of new people listening, and we want to just keep making a great show for you and keep expanding the show and doing all kinds of new stuff for you. So, uh... Hope you're out there enjoying it. Definitely get in touch with us if you are. You could also follow us on social media at PiecingPod and join the Facebook group Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we talk about all kinds of movies, classic movies, new movies, upcoming movies, all kinds. So make sure you join Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. We'd love to have you in there. So let's finish up this episode with a piece of music, as I always do.
And this is a uh, interesting one to find a piece of music that fits. You know, especially looking back at the Sandlot, um, you know, my music is generally speaking a lot darker, a lot more, uh, you know, I do a lot of a lot of creepy stuff, mystery stuff, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, the Sandlot being a big dog movie, and I do have this special project coming out soon called The Pup Pups, which you may have remembered I've mentioned a couple times here and there. So why not give you guys a preview of an upcoming song from the Pup Pups debut album, Who Wants Din Din? This is a song sung by my little guy named Harvey, and it's called Would You Give Me Back That Toy Again? And it's going to be the opening track on the Pup Pups album. So this is a very silly, ridiculous song, but I think it fits the theme quite nicely. So enjoy this, and uh, I'm supposed to have the artwork back real soon on this Pup Pups album. Once it's back, oh boy, we're getting full steam ahead with launching the pre-order and getting this thing actually released. It's going to be a fun album. And then maybe I'll get back to another, you know, quote-unquote real album of my music. Uh, but this should be a lot of fun, though, once we get this thing out. So, give me back that toy again from our upcoming album, Who Wants Din Din by the Pup Pups. Got a ball, got a rope, got a stick, got a toy. Tear and destroy but Tell me mommy can you really even blame it It's clear to see that I am just a little baby I'm sorry daddy I really didn't mean to offend But would you give me back that toy again That little green tennis ball I love it when you throw it And it bounces on down the hall But tell me mommy Can you really even blame it? It's clear to see that I am just a little baby I'm sorry daddy I really didn't mean to offend But would you give me back that toy again? I know you spent a lot of money on those and well, you know, I didn't mean for them to end up that way. You know what? Tell you the truth, it wasn't even me, it was Sadie, right Sadie? Yeah, it was me. <laughs> so would you give me back that toy again? And all points west. 